Let's all stand this morning and turn to page number 517 if you need a book. I am resolved. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. second I am resolved to go to the Savior leaving my sin and strife Amen that's good singing He hath the words of life I will hasten to him hasten so glad and free Jesus I will come to thee. I am resolved to enter the kingdom, leaving the paths of sin. That's right. Well, I do want to greet you all this morning and welcome you all to Cornerstone Baptist Church. Thank you all for being here. It's great to see each and every one of you in your place, in the Lord's house, on the Lord's day. And I'm really glad to see each and every one of you here today. And uh, well, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and we'll continue on with our service. Our Lord, we're so grateful for the fact that we can hasten to you. We can come to you in times of uh, trial and difficulty. And Lord, you invite us to come boldly unto your throne. And uh, we pray that you'd help us to remember that when we are going through difficult times. And uh, so, Lord, I pray that uh, you would help us to be resolved to uh, follow you and to uh, be faithful to you in the days ahead. Lord, we uh, thank you for the opportunity to worship together this morning here in this place. We thank you for the freedom to do so. We thank you for this property you've provided for us. And uh, Lord, I thank you for each one that's here. And I pray, Lord, you'd bless each and every one. And I pray that you would draw us all closer to you as a result. And 
also to each other as well, Lord. We want to be a united body of believers, and we want to strive together for the faith of the gospel. And so I pray, Lord, you would create unity in this, um, in this place today. And uh, Lord, I ask that uh, this service would magnify you uh, above all. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, please remain standing if you would. We're going to sing uh, our next song, Take My Life and Let It Be, as we prepare for baptism. We're going to have another baptism this morning and uh, looking forward to that. So we're going to sing page 611, Take My Life and Let It Be. We'll sing three verses of this song together this morning. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. In ceaseless praise, take my hands and let. seated. Well, I have here a very precious young lady. Uh, this is my daughter, Faith, and uh, she is coming today to be baptized. She had uh, made a previous profession of faith um, a few years ago, but uh, wasn't really solid on it, really didn't understand all that she was doing. And uh, a couple years ago, well, it wasn't this past summer, but the summer before, we were out on vacation uh, visiting the, uh, the Ark Encounter over there in Kentucky, and uh, one night she knocked on our door and came in, and she was in tears, and we said, what's wrong? What's wrong? We were staying in an Airbnb, and so you never know about those things, and so we thought, well, maybe it's something weird going on in her room. Well, no, uh, the Lord was working in her heart, and uh, she wanted to make sure of her salvation, and so uh, that night uh, in Kentucky, she uh, placed her faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for her salvation, and that was such a joy. And, and uh, we haven't pushed baptism. We've kind of waited and waited and let her make the decision. And uh, finally, a couple weeks ago, she, after the service, said, Daddy, can I talk to you? And I said, of course. <laughs> and uh, we went over in the overflow room right over there, and she said, uh, Daddy, I want to get baptized. And uh, I said, praise the Lord, let's go ahead and um, get that together. So um, I want to read a, a verse here in Acts chapter number 2, in verse 41, where the Bible says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And so it's a joy to have this young lady who heard the word of God. She's 
understood the gospel and she received the gospel and now she's coming uh, to follow the Lord in baptism. Now, she understands that baptism doesn't save anybody. Baptism doesn't take anybody to heaven. Um, but it is an important first step after you've already trusted Christ as your Savior. And so today she's making that decision. And I'm going to ask you a few questions. I've already asked her these questions a few times, actually. Uh, but uh, just to make it public, because this is what it is, a public identification uh, with Jesus Christ. So, Faith, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe that He was born of the Virgin Mary? Do you believe that He lived a perfect and sinless life? Do you believe that He died on the cross for you? Do you believe that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures? Amen. And are you trusting in, in Him and Him alone for your salvation? Are you trusting in anything that you're doing? Amen. Well, on that profession of faith, it is my joy to baptize you, my daughter and my sister, uh, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And go ahead and uh, put your, plug your nose. Buried with Him in baptism, raised in likeness of His resurrection. Well, praise the Lord for that. That's obviously a special moment for me as a father as well, to be able to baptize my own daughter. That was very, uh, very precious. If you're here this morning and you've been saved and not yet baptized, I would definitely invite you to come talk to me. I would love to set up a time and explain what baptism is and uh, get, get it on the calendar for you to follow the Lord in baptism yourself. Well, this time we're going to go ahead and stand and sing our next song together, and uh, we'll continue our service that way. Footsteps of Jesus, page 480 if you want to use a book. Footsteps of Jesus, sweetly Lord I've heard thee calling. <clears throat> sweetly Lord we have heard thee calling, come follow me. And we see where thy footprints falling, Oh. 
please be seated. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Um, I didn't bust into a big cry fest up there. Thought about it a couple times, but uh, I'm glad that didn't happen. Well, it is a new month this month. It is the month of October, and that means we have a new memory verse, and this is one verse, but it's a longin'. Um, but it's something that we've heard many times, and I thought it would be a, a good for us to work on this verse together uh, this month. And uh, I know that this, if you've been saved for any length of time, you're familiar with this verse. Um, but uh, and, and the font is a little small in order for it to fit on the screen there. Uh, so sorry about it. But it does flow, and uh, I think that uh, we, can, we can get it down. All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, say it together, John, or Joshua 1, 8. All right, here we go. Ready, begin. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Joshua 1, 8. And it is a longer verse, but uh, what a powerful verse that is. Um, the only time the word success is found in the Word of God is right here, and it's in our relation. It, it all hinges upon our relationship with the Word of God. Uh, if we don't have a good relationship with the Word of God, uh, you might be successful in the world's eyes, but you're not going to be successful in God's eyes. And uh, so for us to have the success in God's eyes, we're going to need to have a good relationship with the Word of God. We need to think about it, and then we need to do it. We need to obey it, and uh, and then we're going to have a prosperous way, and then we're going to have good success. So there's that. Uh, before I get into a couple announcements, uh, I do want to take a moment and uh, read a thank you note. We do these every once in a while, but this one happens to be from our family uh, to all of you uh, for what happened last Sunday. Uh, last Sunday was our second anniversary here, and uh, you all... Uh, just blessed us abundantly, uh, and uh, we have a little thank you note here that uh, I wanted to read to you. It says, Dear Cornerstone family, thank you so very much for the amazing display of love last Sunday as we celebrated our second anniversary here at CBC. We so appreciated the very generous love offering. The cards were so encouraging to read, and by the way, we read each and every one of them out loud so that everybody in the family could hear, and uh, so thank you for that. Um, and then the goodies were enjoyed by the whole family as well. And uh, we're still working on some of them, although it's mostly gone. <laughs> uh, but uh, thank you for that. We love each and every one of you, and we are so grateful we get to serve the Lord here in this place with all of you. Looking forward to many more years of ministry here. Love you all, Pastor, Julie, Seth, Luke, Faith, and Mark, and Abby. That's our dog, so... Uh, I don't know if she appreciated some of the... Did we give her any of the treats or anything? I don't think so. I haven't given her any, so... Uh, and I ain't going to share with her, so... Uh, but uh, thank you again for that. That was such a, such a blessing. Okay, a couple quick announcements uh, that I wanted to share. Um, uh, we do have, on Sunday mornings for the men, we do have a men's prayer meeting at 9.15, and we meet in the conference room, and... Uh, the Bible says where two or three are gathered together, he's there in the midst. Um, but it does seem like that's about all that do show up. <laughs> and, and I'm thankful that uh, those, who, those, those that do are able to come, and, or those that are able are able to come. 
But uh, if, if you have the time and you can come a little bit early before Sunday school and uh, you can give some time for really the most important meeting of the week, and that is the prayer meeting, um, then uh, I would encourage you and invite you to come to that. Um, also, if you don't currently come to Sunday school, uh, I do want to invite you. We have uh, four good, uh, really good Sunday school classes for the adults, and then uh, all the uh, ages uh, down below uh, have them as well, the children and teens. And so I do want to invite you to come to that hour, too. It's a good time to kind of get to know one another. Well, in the, this morning in our Sunday school class, we learned what each other's favorite breakfast cereal was. So I don't know how important that is, but very important, actually. <laughs> it says a lot about somebody, and, and uh, I, I'm ashamed of what I like. But anyway, um, I do want to mention right after the service this morning, there will be a special music meeting uh, right here just uh, down front. Brother Blake's going to come and uh, just have a real brief time. Uh, we know that uh, we're Baptists and we like to eat once it turns noon, uh, but uh, we'll just have a uh, brief meeting for everybody interested or wanting to be involved with special music. It doesn't mean you have to come up and sing a solo every week. It just means if you're interested in being a part of that ministry, that would be um, uh, you're welcome to attend that, and uh, it'll be a brief meeting. Tonight in the evening service, we're going to be having uh, our missionary that we Picked up for support last year, uh, missionary to Germany, Brother Shipman. Uh, he's going to be in the area. So Wednesday night, we had uh, Brother Caleb McCollum. He's missionary to Germany. And then I told him, it looks like we're going to have a Germany week. Uh, and because we're having uh, Brother Shipman, who is a missionary to Germany tonight. And uh, he and his wife will be here, and they're going to actually provide... Uh, some special music, and he'll be preaching for us, and it'll be great to see them again. And uh, I do want to invite you and encourage you to be back at 5 o'clock for that service. Then uh, this Wednesday night, uh, we do have our monthly men and ladies Bible studies, and uh, you can look in the bulletin there and figure out what you're supposed to be reading. And uh, if you need a book, we have one more ladies book on the table and uh, several other men's books, um, but uh, that'll take place on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Uh, the men will meet in here. The ladies will meet over in the fellowship hall. And then uh, for those involved in the missions committee meeting, uh, we will be having a meeting at 6.30 this Thursday over in the conference room. And if you would, are interested in attending that, if you haven't been to one, you're certainly welcome and invited to come to that as well. And then Saturday, so several things kind of coming up here. Uh, we do have a youth activity at 10.30. Uh, they're going to be going uh, up north to uh, Pops. And uh, the corn maze up there, that'll be a fun time for the teens. And then we'll have outreach here. Um, I did want to mention uh, two, the other two announcements. Um, we do have the ladies' brunch coming up, not this Saturday, but the following Saturday. Uh, we do have flyers with more of those details out on the table and a uh, sign-up sheet there as well. And then Old Fashioned Sunday, uh, we do have a flyer in your bulletin. And I uh, just want to encourage you to kind of look through that. I don't want to take the time to read it, but um, it's going to be an exciting day. We're excited about it, and I hope that you are too. Um, we're excited about the food and the fellowship and just kind of the festivities of the day. I'm already starting to plan and prepare for those messages and uh, get ready for that. Um, but uh, that's going to be happening. Basically, the big announcement on that is we're going to have a meal after the morning service, and then we'll have some games in that time as well, and then we'll have an early afternoon service about uh, 1.45, I think is what it says on the flyer there, and it's going to be an ish time. Uh, we'll kind of just see where we're at with all the games and things we want to get done during that middle time, 
and then we'll have a, an outdoor service. It'll all be out, outside, of course, weather permitting. And uh, we'll let you know as we get a little closer what the weather looks like. But anyway, that's coming up, and I hope that you'll plan to be here and uh, be part of it. The, the, the dress-up, old-fashioned, that's, that's completely optional. It's not something you have to do. But if you want to do it and you want to participate in that, that's certainly uh, welcome to. Uh, Andrew's shaking his head. Yes, he wants to totally dress old-fashioned. I can just tell. But uh, it'll be a fun time, and it'll, it'll be a wonderful day together in the house of the Lord. Okay, I think that's all the announcements. It's a lot of them today. Uh, but uh, we're going to go ahead and remain seated as we sing our, our next song, uh, 816 in your hymnal, Have Thine Own Way. Have Thine Own Way, Lord. I will sing two verses of this. Oh, okay, before we get up and do that, one more thing. We do have a pie baking contest as part of our Old Fashioned Sunday because the desserts that we'll be serving are the pies that we're going to be, uh, that are participating in the pie baking contest. And so uh, we have flyers that kind of, indicate kind of what we're looking for on that and a sign-up sheet there. So uh, make sure you kind of get one of these. And uh, the pie, the pies do not have to be in a nine-foot pie tin, just a nine-inch uh, pie tin. They say nine-foot, but uh, I don't know how hungry we're going to be that day, so I think probably nine inches is probably enough. So anyway, let's sing this next song together. Have thine own way. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Hold me and make me. that's your desire and your prayer. Um, what we're going to do right now is take our offering. We haven't done this since March. So we're going to take our offering uh, again this morning and uh, tonight. And then that allows for uh, an instrumental special and some specials to be done. And, and, uh, and so um, looking forward to that. I do want to take this time also as we pray for this offering to pray for our sister Connie she goes in for treatment later this week, and uh, we want to keep her in our prayers as she continues that treatment and uh, many of the other uh, prayer requests. How is James doing? He's doing really good. So uh, thank you for praying for uh, Tammy's husband, James, and uh, he's back home recovering and doing well. And 
Uh, praise the Lord for that. It could have been very dangerous. Well, it was a little scary there for a little bit, but uh, praise the Lord for how the Lord did pre prevent anything worse from happening. So um, if you're visiting with us, uh, please don't feel any obligation to give. But uh, for those of us who are members and regular attenders, let's remember to be faithful in our tithes and offerings during this time. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for allowing us to meet together in your house. Thank you for the wonderful service that's already been. Uh, Lord, for the wonderful songs and for the uh, baptism and just the, the fellowship. And uh, Lord, we just love you today. And, and we do pray for uh, Miss Connie as she uh, goes in for treatment uh, later this week, that you would just grant her uh, a good treatment, may it be effective. And Lord, may her body um, not experience too many negative side effects, but uh, may it really kill that cancer, Lord. And, and we do pray that uh, you would uh, grant her full and complete recovery. We thank you for how you uh, worked in James' life and how he's recovering now. We're thankful for that. And uh, Lord, we do pray for um, just our church family that are going through difficult uh, situations. And, and then, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to give. Thank you for first giving to us. And, and uh, I pray, Lord, you'd uh, bless this offering. Please multiply it for the furtherance of the gospel. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, uh, those involved in the music ministry. Thank you for your involvement and uh, your sacrifice of time. They get here pretty early in the, on Sunday mornings to practice and prepare, and it is a blessing. So thank you all for your ministry. Galatians chapter 5 is where we're going to be this uh, morning. Uh, Galatians chapter number 5. Uh, one last time. Uh, hard to believe that we've uh, made it through this series, but uh, here we are. Uh, Galatians chapter number 5, verses 22 and 23, and if you're able to physically stand, if you would join me as we read the Word of God, uh, we stand out of reverence and respect for it. Um, Galatians chapter number 5, and uh, verse 22 and 23. The Bible says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And uh, let's pray one more time together. Lord, we thank you for Lord, you bless us as we study your word, as your word to us, help us to receive it well, and then help us to go and do it well. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So I went back and counted, and it was 10 weeks ago today that we started this series through the fruit, fruit, through the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, just by way of review, uh, we have talked about in that very first message the importance of abiding in Christ and walking daily in the Spirit in order for the Holy Spirit to produce this fruit in our lives. 
And uh, we, if you recall that particular message, that was actually the, the one message I did, the only message I did in this series from our living room. And uh, I had an orange and I squeezed it into a cup there in our living room. And uh, the idea there was when, when life squeezes you, when the pressures of life come upon us, what comes out of us? Is it the works of the flesh or is it the fruit of the Spirit? And uh, the, the truth of the matter is all of us are going to experience some type of pressure, some type of squeezing that life gives us. And what comes out, hopefully, uh, the fruit of the Spirit comes out. This love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And so that was the focus of the first message. And then we spent a, a week learning uh, the importance of each and every one of these. The first week we looked at learning to love. The second, we, we took a journey of joy. And then we learned about the pursuit of peace. Then we studied how to practice patience or long-suffering in our lives. Uh, then we were challenged to grow in gentleness and kindness. Then we focused on faithfulness. And last Sunday, we studied how we can then model meekness in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. And now today we're going to look at the ninth and final aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, and that is temperance. And so the title of the message today is The Transformation to Temperance. Uh, transforming from a, a non-temperate person to a becoming a temperate person. Uh, back in 2003, after the suggestion of a natural doctor that my wife and I saw, uh, he suggested that we would both go on a very special diet. And uh, I not so affectionately called this diet the no-fun diet. Uh, this diet basically limited us from having any type of dairy. And one thing that I like is I like my milk. It has to be 2%. Are there any other 2%ers in here? Amen. Okay. And I'm dogmatic about the 2%. Okay. If you're a whole person, that does. You, I don't want to talk to you. No, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Uh, but uh, I'm a, I do like my milk. And so during this month-long diet, I wasn't allowed to have any milk. So that means no raisin bran. <laughs> if you were in my Sunday school class, you would get that. Um, that's why it's important to go to Sunday school, so that you can be on the inside with these inside <laughs> jokes. So, all right. Uh, I couldn't, we couldn't have any dairy. We couldn't have any sugar. Now, that meant no root beer. That meant no Butterfingers. That meant none of these cereal that we're talking about, even with other type of non-dairy stuff, if we did like almond milk or whatever, uh, we couldn't have any of that type of uh, uh, food. So, and it wasn't just the processed sugar. We couldn't even have the natural sugar, so no fruits. It's like, man, what can we have? Oh, and by the way, we weren't allowed to have any processed foods or breads. I'm like... I'm not sure that there is anything else to eat in this world. We were allowed to eat meat. We were allowed to eat uh, vegetables. And that was about it. Oh, and nuts. Um, we even went to, uh, during that, that month-long diet that we were on, we had a, an activity with the teenagers. We took them to Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> it's like the worst place to go. 
because there is an unwritten rule, and maybe there is a written rule, I just haven't read it, but I just know about it, that when you go to Cheesecake Factory, you have to get cheesecake. It's like you have to. It's, it's, it's a law. It's like the law of gravity. You just have to do it. Well, we went to Cheesecake Factory, and that day, we did not order any cheesecake. I am telling you, that was the hardest month of my life. And, you know, we were married for about three years at that point, and, and I thought, you know, and this diet was really kind of more for her. It was sort of for me, too, uh, let's be honest. But um, I was doing this really to kind of show love and support for my wife, and I'm like, I'm going to be a good husband, you know. I'm going to try to support my wife. And uh, by about day two, I'm like, enough of this. <laughs> Well, we did it uh, for the most part. We did have a couple little cheat moments in there, but I learned in that month that I didn't really have that much temperance. I wasn't a very temperate person. And, and by the way, I think probably most of us would agree that, that uh, temperance doesn't come naturally to any of us. Uh, many of the problems in our lives, the truth of the matter is, if you look at uh, some of the issues that we're dealing with in our own lives, uh, really can be traced to a lack of temperance in a certain area. And so as a result, many people turn to self-help books, they, they turn to support groups, and even sometimes they turn to religion to find help. But the truth of the matter is, the Word of God tells us that temperance uh, cannot be attained other, in other ways. It, it is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's something that He produces in our lives, not we try to work at and muster the, uh, the strength to be temperate. Uh, temperance is also a byproduct of Christian growth. As we grow in the Lord, temperance is supposed to be more and more evident in our lives as time goes on. The Apostle Peter tells us that temperance is a characteristic that is to be added as we grow in the Lord. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 5 says this, Besides this, giving all diligence, so uh, Peter's telling us to give some diligence to this matter here, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue add knowledge, and to knowledge add temperance. So, in Peter's mind, in the top three things that we are to add to our faith, temperance is in the top three. And so, as time goes on, as we grow in the Lord, uh, we are to become more and more temperate. And that's because the Holy Spirit is producing this fruit in our lives. Uh, temperance is supposed to be a characteristic of our lives as believers. This is the expectation of the Lord for each and every one of us. And so today, we're going to study what the Lord says about temperance as we wrap up this series on the fruit of the Spirit. So we're going to go through the outline that we've kind of used a few times as we've gone through this series, a very similar one and a similar structure to the message today. But number one, the definition of temperance. What does being temperate mean? And you can kind of gather from my illustration on our no-fun diet which uh, I've never wanted to do again. I've done, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and don't want to go back, you know. It was an okay place to visit, but I definitely don't want to live there. Um, so, um, I've, as we've done each week, I've described and explained what each word means. What does the word temperance mean? Uh, without going into the Greek here, simply put, temperance means self-control. It means self-restraint and moderation. It also means living a disciplined life. 
a life of discipline. Uh, This is supposed to be a characteristic of pastors. In Titus chapter 1 and verse number 8, as uh, Paul is giving Titus really the qualifications of a pastor, he says this in verse 8, he's supposed to be a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men. He's supposed to be sober, just, holy, and he is supposed to be temperate. He's supposed to be self-controlled. He's supposed to have, uh, and I, I hope in the Greek it means right there, not necessarily dealing with not drinking soda. Because <laughs> uh, I, I try to be temperate, but boy, when it comes to soda, I struggle there. But Titus chapter number 2 and verse number 2, here's something that uh, we're supposed to be, this is supposed to be evident in uh, more mature believers in the church. Titus chapter 2, verse 2 says that the aged men, and again, that doesn't necessarily just mean uh, actual age, but also their maturity in the Lord, that the aged men be sober, be grave, and temperate, sound in the faith and charity and patience. Uh, so uh, as time goes on, it's again supposed to be a, a, a characteristic, a, a qualification, a, an attribute of, of us as believers as time goes on. This was certainly the case for Paul as he uh, reasoned with uh, Felix in Acts chapter 24 and verse 25. It says, "And and and as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, go thy way for this time when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. So Paul definitely displayed and and, uh, had this type of temperance in his life. A.W. Tozer Uh, said this about temperance. We must face the fact that many today are notoriously careless in their living. This attitude finds its way into the church. We have liberty. We have money. We live in a comparative luxury. And as a result, discipline practically has disappeared. What would a violin solo sound like if the strings on the musician's instrument were all hanging loose? not stretched tight, not disciplined. Brother Tom plays the violin and does it well, but it's because those strings are disciplined, those strings are tight. And you and I need to be disciplined as well. And so that's the definition of temperance. But number two, I want us to look at the display of temperance. The display of temperance. And in your Bible, if you would turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, and this is uh, Paul's um, little sermon on temperance, on self-control, on living a disciplined life. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 24. Here Paul says this, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And then he says this in verse 25, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now, most of you know this about me, and I do like sports. 
And uh, as, as we watch these athletes get to these uh, amazing milestones in their lives, they didn't get there by accident. They didn't just wake up one day and say, well, I think I might want to be a professional hockey player and play in the Stanley Cup Finals. It, it doesn't happen that way. They have to go through rigorous training, and really throughout their lives, it all has to be about that sport. And they're willing to uh, change the way they eat. They change their schedules. They are willing to do all of these things. Why? In, in, in the case of hockey, in order to get their name engraved on the Stanley Cup, which, by the way, in my not-so-humble opinion, is the greatest trophy in all of sports. And yes, I have the microphone, so I'm allowed to say that. They do that for that. We as a believer, okay, the microphone just went down. Thank you, brother. <laughs> you thought I didn't notice. <laughs> um, they, they do that for that type of uh, fame and glory. But listen, there's something as believers that we need to be striving for that is infinitely far more important than having your name written on some type of piece of metal. This is something that will not burn up one day with fervent heat. No, this will last for all of eternity. It is an incorruptible crown. This is what we should be striving for. And yet, as believers, sometimes we're too lazy to be temperate in the areas that we should be temperate in. And uh, these unsaved athletes put us to shame when it comes to their discipline and they, it, when it comes to their temperance in uh, certain areas. So let's look at some areas in, that we need to display temperance in in our lives. First of all, our bodies. Our bodies. Paul said this in verse 27, I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection. Our bodies, we need to be temperate with it. Too many times we obey the flesh instead of tell the body what to do. The body tells us what to do. I think about a lot of people who right now are addicted to drugs and alcohol. Look, as believers, we are not to be under the influence of those things. The Bible clearly says we are to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit, not alcohol, not drugs. We need to remember that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we need not to defile the temple of the Holy Spirit with those foreign substances. I think about, on oh, this one's not very popular to preach about in Baptist churches, overeating. Now, the Bible doesn't talk about that, does it? Oh, it does. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 20 and 21 says, Be not among wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. In the beginning of Proverbs chapter 23, there's another reference to gluttony and to overeating. And Look, I know we're Baptists, and eating is our spiritual gift. I understand that. Potlucks are a sacred event. I know that. But uh, we do need to be careful because, again, as I mentioned, this is the temple of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? And we got to be good stewards of the temple. God's given us one vehicle in which to serve the Lord, and it happens to be this tabernacle, this body that He's given us. 
Yeah, I know we're all going to die someday and our body starts dying the day we're born, but at the, the same point, uh, you and I can be good stewards of it. You get a, you get a, a brand new vehicle and you never do any oil changes, you never change any tires, you never change out the air filter, you never do any of that stuff, pretty soon that thing's going to die a lot faster than if you were to take care of it and do the just basic maintenance. God's given us one vehicle in which to serve the Lord. Let's take care of it and be good stewards of this body that he's granted us. During his term as president of the United States, Lyndon Johnson was somewhat overweight. One day, his wife challenged him with this blunt assertion. You can't run the country if you can't run yourself. Wow. Thanks, honey. (laughs) Thanks for the encouraging words, right? Well, respecting his wife's observation, the president ended up losing 23 pounds. And and look, I'm not saying that all of us need to go on a diet today. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying we need to be temperate regarding our bodies. And again, we need to be wise stewards of the body God gave us. Thomas Costain's history, The Three Edwards, described the life of Reynold III, a 14th century duke in what is now Belgium. Grossly overweight, Reynold was commonly called by his Latin nickname, Crasis, which means fat. After a violent quarrel, Reynold's younger brother, Edward, led a successful revolt against him. Edward captured Reynold, but didn't kill him. Instead, he built a room around Reynold in the, in the castle and promised him he could regain his title and property as soon as he was able to leave this room. Now, this would not have been difficult for most people since the room had several windows and a door of near normal size, and none was locked or barred. See, the problem was Reynolds' size. To regain his freedom, he needed to lose weight. But Edward knew his older brother, and each day he sent a variety of delicious foods. Instead of dieting his way out of prison, Reynold grew fatter. And when Duke Edward was accused of cruelty, he had a ready answer. My brother's not a prisoner. He may live and leave when he so wills. Well, Reynolds stayed in that room for 10 years and wasn't released until after Edward died in battle. And by then, his health was so ruined, he died within a year. He was a prisoner of his own appetite. Uh, He failed to have any type of temperance in this area. Again, This is a convicting thought, I think, for probably all of us. Uh, God does want us to be temperate. God, look, what what could you not live without? I I know we all need water and food and air to live. I know that. But I I can't live without my soda. Well, maybe there's something there that it it has power over you. Uh, Maybe there's something that... Uh, you need to work on in the area of temperance in that, in that particular area. So I think about our bodies when it relates to drugs and alcohol and, and, and those type of substances that, that uh, people put into their bodies. And then I think of sometimes overeating and then the sexual sins as well. Uh, living together before marriage, pornography, those type of things. The Bible is very clear about the importance. You, you say, well, sin is sin, right? 
Well, here's what Paul had to say about sexual sins. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 18, he says, Flee fornication. A fornication is any type of sexual sin. Uh, it can be a sin within marriage, uh, or it can be something outside of marriage. Flee fornication, he says. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And then he says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This body is not your own. If you're a believer... Don't buy into that lie that the uh, pro-choice crowd says, it's my body. As a believer, the answer is, no, it's not. <laughs> it's his body. He owns it now. And he bought it. with, And it was expensive. It cost Jesus everything. So it's not yours. You don't get to choose. And I don't get to choose. The, the, the trouble is we all like to be the one calling the shots, don't we? Our bodies are, as I said, the only vehicle we have to serve the Lord. So let's take care of them. Let's be wise stewards. Let's be temperate when it comes to our bodies and do what Paul said here in verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 9. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. I tell my body what to do, not my body tells me what to do. So in our bodies and then secondly in our speech. We need to display temperance with our speech. James tells us in James chapter 3 and verse 7, he says, For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed. In other words, you go to the zoo, you know, they may have like one of those shows that they do where they bring out all these animals and they have them do some tricks. Many of us have seen those. It's pretty amazing. Uh, when we lived in California, we'd go to SeaWorld and they would do the, the Shamu show and, and we'd see this great killer shark Orca thing. I'm not sure the actual name of it. Uh, uh, Shamu is the actual name of the fish. Uh, <laughs> but they're able to get this thing to jump high and do all kinds of tricks and just splash, splash zone. And they're able to do all this with all these uh, creatures. You go to a, a circus and they have the, the lion tamer, right? And, and uh, they're able to put the head in, or their head in the, the lion's mouth and and uh, the lion hopefully doesn't crush the head, you know. And that would be a really disturbing circus if they did. Um, but they're able to do all of these things. He says, every kind of beast, birds, serpents, things in the sea is tamed and have been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil. It's full of deadly poison. It says, therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. We need to be temperate with this part of our body here too. Because really, um, not just what goes in, and we talked about that, right? But also what comes out. Ephesians chapter uh, 4 and verse 25 tells us that we need to uh, be temperate when it comes to putting away lying and being and telling the truth instead. Ephesians 4.25, Wherefore, put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Uh, perhaps you're here this morning and maybe you struggle with lying. You just 
You're, you're good at it. <laughs> um, God says we don't need to be good at that. We need to be good at telling the truth and uh, put away lying. Put that away. We're, we're no longer to put that on in our lives. What about foul language? Ephesians 4.29 tells us to let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is, the good, which is good to the use of edifying that may minister grace into the hearers. Look, friend, it's, it's not French, and we're not going to pardon it. Uh, we shouldn't be saying those things as believers. Uh, we need to put that away. Let no corrupt communication proceed. Uh, we're, we're not going to pardon that language if it's foul, if it's corrupt. And God certainly isn't going to uh, pardon that. He takes it very seriously. What about slander? Proverbs chapter number 10 and verse number 8 says, He that uttereth a slander is a fool. So when we're purposely trying to uh, speak evil of someone else, that's a foolish thing to do according to, to the Lord. We need to be careful with our lips. Gossip is another one. 1 Timothy 5.13 tells us that those who are widows, and uh, he kind of hit, hits them, but, but it, it applies to anybody here. It says, with all they learn to be idle, wandering f- about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies speaking things which they ought not. Uh, this shouldn't be said about us, folks. Uh, we need to be careful and temperate with our speech. There were about four preachers who met for a friendly gathering. During the conversation, one preacher said, you know, our people come to us and pour out their hearts and they confess certain sins and needs. I think it might be good and healthy for us to do the same thing. I mean, confession is good for the soul, as they say. So in due time, all agreed. One confessed that he liked to go to the movies and would sneak, and would sneak off when away from his church. The second confessed to liking to smoke cigars. And the third one confessed to like, liking to play cards. But when it came to the fourth one, he wouldn't confess. The others pressed him and said, come on now, we we confessed ours. What's your secret vice? Finally answered, well, it's gossiping. And I can hardly wait to get out of here and tell everybody what you all do. God wants us to be temperate with our speech. God also wants us to be temperate with our thought life with the things that we ponder and think about and uh, as we're just by ourselves and only us and God know what we think about, God wants us to be temperate in those things. And God cares what we think about. 2 Corinthians five or 10 and verse number 5, it says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So we start to let our mind wander in the wrong direction. God expects us to bring that thought into the obedience of Christ and not to just keep going down that path. He expects us to bring that into obedience into Christ. He expects us to be temperate in our thought life. He also expects us to be temperate in our spending, in our spending. Proverbs chapter number 21 and verse 20, there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. I mean, we've all heard the stories of those who got a huge windfall and within a very short amount of time, it's all gone and you kind of scratch your head and say, how could that happen? 
Well, if you're not temperate right now with what God's given you, don't expect all of a sudden once a big windfall to come your way for you to all of a sudden learn how to be Mr. Financial Planner and Advisor. Learn now to spend and save wisely. Uh, to be careful with our spending. A lot of the, the debt that a lot of people have is unnecessary debt. Uh, because we want to have things just like our neighbor does, just like so-and-so does. And, and, and you young people, as you guys get off and get on into your own lives, don't think you need to have everything that everybody else has right now. Uh, we all had to start and, and uh, get hand-me-down couches and, and things that didn't look right and didn't match and all of that. It's okay. It's way better than being in debt up to your eyeballs, not knowing how you're going to ever get out of this. Uh, be wise with your spending. Be temperate. It's okay to be a little careful with your spending. And not just to say, well, I've got money. I'm going to spend it as soon as I get it. God wants us to, uh, well, the Bible says there's treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise. Is there treasure and is there oil in your dwelling? Or have you just spent it up and you're living moment by moment hoping that somebody will uh, come up with a new stimulus plan to help you out of this jam again? So our spending, we need to be careful. We need to be temperate. As I think about the display of temperance, I think of the fact that no one displayed temperance like the Lord Jesus displayed temperance. Uh, he was completely and he was the perfect example of being in self-control and living a total disciplined life. Everything he did was uh, calculated and meticulous and on purpose and there was never a moment, there was never a lapse in his uh, self-control. He was always in control. And that is why it's important for us to abide in Christ. That's why it's important for us to walk in the Spirit so that as we are conformed to the image of Christ, we'll take on some of His characteristics, such as temperance. So we see the display of temperance. But then number three, quickly, the denial of temperance. There have been several examples of those in the Bible who denied temperance. They denied to control themselves even for a moment and it ended up hurting them badly. This morning I just want to highlight two of the examples that came to my mind. There's several others. And as I pick these two, then I got thinking of other ones and I'm like, man, I just don't have time to go through all of them. You're welcome. Uh, but the first one is Achan. Achan, and, and he's found in... Uh, in uh, Joshua chapter number 8. Joshua chapter number 8. Joshua chapter, I'm sorry, Joshua chapter 7. If you remember back to Joshua chapter 6, as, as the nation of Israel is walking in the promised land, they have to conquer some cities that have been inhabited. They have to, in order to take possession of the land. And, and the first the first city they come to is a big city. It's a really fortified city named Jericho. Most of us know the story how they had to walk around it once a day for six days, and on the seventh day, they had to walk around it seven times. And then the walls came tumbling down, the whole song goes, right? Well, during that time, there was one of the Israelites that had marched around it all those times. It was a man by the name of Achan. Well, they were strictly told in chapter 6 that they're not supposed to take anything there, that the spoils all belong to the, who? Anybody know? 
to the Lord. Those spoils belonged to the Lord. The future cities, they were going to be able to take whatever they wanted. But not in Jericho, because that was the first city that they came to, and they weren't supposed to take of that. But there was a man by the name of Achan who uh, did take that. Well, they, they didn't know it. No one knew about it. I mean, they, he took it, hid it. Everything was hunky-dory until they got to the next city, Ai. Now, this city wasn't near as fortified, not near as a big challenge as, as Jericho was. And so they kind of thought, oh, well, Jericho was tough. This one's easy-peasy, lemon-squeezy. Let's go take this one real quick and be done with it. Well, they were up for an interesting surprise because it did not fall like they thought it would. And Joshua scratches his head, what's going on, Lord? I thought we were going to, you, you promised that you'd make our way prosperous and we'd have good success and, and things would go well. And, and, and now it's not. What's happening? He said, there's sin in the camp. Someone took something that they should not have taken. So he begins to get everybody by and go one by one, one by one by families. And finally he comes to Achan's family. In Joshua chapter number 7, in verse 19, he says, Joshua said to Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils, a goodly Babylonish garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight. Then I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. So he confesses his sin. And by the way, uh, being that it was in his tent, guess who else knew about it? His family did. His family was complicit in this particular sin. And so as a result of that lack of temperance, I mean, he saw it, and he was like, I want it, but I know I shouldn't. I want it. No, I shouldn't. Ah, oh, okay, I'm just going to go for it. See, no self-control. So he hides it. And guess what happens to his family? Well, verse 25 tells us, Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Was it worth it, that lapse of temperance? I mean, what did he get with all that silver? Did he get to wear those Babylonian garments and go around and, you know, go, hey, I got some new, new threads, what do you think? He didn't ever get a chance to wear them. He didn't get a chance to spend that money. But instead, he got stoned and then burned. And not only him, but his family as well. Was it worth it? I would say no. Because he denied temperance. But then the second example that I think of is a man by the name of David. King David. David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, man after God's own heart. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, we find David the king displaying a lapse of temperance in a couple areas. First, he, it was time for the kings to go out to battle. But you know what? He just didn't feel like it. Like, he's the king after all, and, you know, I don't, have to, I don't have to do this. I'll just go send everybody else out to battle, and I'm going to go and, and rest because, boy, I'm tired. So he didn't go out to battle, and he let his flesh win there. And then he goes out, and in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11, I'm going to go ahead and turn over there. 
2 Samuel 11, in verse number 2, it says, And it came to pass in an eventide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. A lapse of temperance. And uh, he saw her in verse number 2. In verse 3, David sent and inquired after the woman. He didn't need to inquire after the woman. Should have just gone back and said, you know what? I probably need to wake up and go back to battle and catch up with the guys. But instead, he inquired after the woman. In verse 4, David sent messengers and took her. He said, I want you to go fetch that woman and bring her to me. I'm the king, so it's going to happen. So sure enough, he does. She came in unto him. Verse 4, he lay with her. She was purified from uncleanness. She returned into her house. And guess what happened to verse 5? The woman conceived and sent and told David, said, I'm with child. Whoops. That was a big whoops. Instead of being temperate, instead of being uh, living a di disciplined life, instead of having this self-control, instead he decides to follow his flesh. And that one lapse of temperance resulted in tremendous pain and suffering for years to come for David. His life would never be the same. Well, what happened? I mean, there's a litany of things that where you can trace back to this one moment of uh, a lack of temperance. The child conceived in this act was killed before the child was even named. We don't even know what the child's name was. Uh, David's son, uh, well, we're in chapter 11. If you go to chapter number, uh, let's see, 13. Uh, one of his sons loved his half-sister Tamar and had an immoral relationship with her. That caused some more family drama and more sin. And then Absalom, his own son, uh, does this uh, big coup and tries to take over and overthrow David. All of it can be traced back to his lapse of temperance. So you might be here this morning and say, Pastor, boy, you're going on and on about this whole temperance thing. It's not that big of a deal. Well, just ask Achan and just ask David how big of a deal it is. It's a big deal. God expects us as believers to be temperate, to live a self-controlled life. And that leads us to number four here, the development of temperance. How can we develop this area of temperance in our life? How can we grow in this area? Well, first of all, number one, we need to admit our weakness. Admit your weakness. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Look, the truth of the matter is, friend, all of us have weaknesses. All of us have areas in which we need to grow in the area of temperance and self-control. All of us. So, no have temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, praise the Lord, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. See, the church is not a museum for saints, it's a hospital for sinners. And all of us are in need of spiritual growth. We are weak, but as the song says in the old song that we learned when we were younger, right? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells He, We are weak, but he is strong. 
look, we're never going to get to the point where we do not need his strength in our life, this side of heaven. And even in glory, we're going to depend upon him for everything as well. We're not going to get to the point in this life where we're like, okay, I've arrived and I no longer need to work on temperance because I'm completely temperate. No one's going to get there. Uh, we need to keep striving. And, uh, but the first step to getting right with God and finding victory in this area is admitting that there is a need for God and His strength in our life. And when I say admit your weakness, I mean stop blaming others. And too many people justify their sinful behavior because of how they were treated, because of what they experienced, because of some trauma in their life. And, and look, I'm not trying to minimize what you may have experienced in your life, but... But we cannot use those things in the past to justify our sinful behavior in the present. So admit your weakness and, and, and don't blame others. Realize that it is a weakness that you have. Admit your weakness. Secondly, give the Lord control. The secret to self-control is actually giving Christ control and submitting to that control to submitting to Him. Remember that Christ was and is the ultimate example of temperance, and when we allow Him to be the Lord in our lives, we allow Him to be on the throne of our hearts. We're on our way to uh, fulfilling this plan of being temperate. Jenny Hussey in her song, Lead Me to Calvary, that we sometimes sing here at Cornerstone, the first line of the song says, King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. Look, I know that we all like to call the shots. I know that we like to be large and in charge. We like to be the ones in control. But if we're going to live a life of temperance and self-control, we need to crown Him as King of our life and submit to His loving leadership. That's the key. That's the key. Uh, number three here, as we look at how to develop temperance in our lives, we need to avoid temptation. Avoid temptation. Don't put ourselves in a place where we are tempted. Ephesians 4, verse 27, Paul says, Neither give place to the devil. Don't put yourself where, God, where the devil can get a foothold in your life. Romans 13, 14, Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So look, that's why we've talked about many times having a, a filter for your devices, your, your, your internet devices to protect you from looking at the wrong things online. It's good to do. Uh, it costs money. <laughs> Boy, I can't think of a better investment than to protect your family from going the wrong direction and falling into something that, that many men struggle with their whole life. And you can, for... Less than a cup of coffee a month almost, you can pay for it. Where are, where are our priorities? Avoiding temptation. I think about our very own Vice President Mike Pence, who's been criticized for having an unreasonable personal policy to never dine alone with a woman who is not his wife. I just like to ask the people who criticize him, how many news articles have you read about affairs that Mike Pence is having? Zero. It's, a, it's something that he's doing here. He's avoiding temptation. Uh, he's just being unreasonable. I mean, how silly is that? Uh, it's reasonable because, you know what? He has a good marriage. And he's, I praise the Lord for Brother Pence. 
He's purposely avoiding temptation like we all should. Maybe you've heard about the man trying to lose some weight. We talked about that a little bit in the beginning of the message. His biggest temptation in the world and his greatest stumbling block to losing weight was donuts. I didn't want to say the name, but it was Randy. Uh, <laughs> uh, this guy loved donuts. Every donut shop for miles knew this man by name. I knew what his regular was. Well, one day at work, this man declared himself the winner over this temptation as he made a New Year's resolution to never eat another donut. It's quite a New Year's resolution. He told everyone at work that they would never see him eat another donut ever. Well, he was finished and fed up with donuts, and they, they didn't see him eat another donut for several days. But one morning, though, he walked into work with a big sack of cream-filled donuts. His co-workers asked him what was going on. He said, well, these are not ordinary donuts. Oh, no, they're donuts from God. <laughs> they said, okay, tell us what you mean by that. Oh, it's very simple. Before I passed the donut shop on my way to work this morning, and fully knowing I would see all of those pretty pastries in the windows, I prayed. Well, they asked him what he prayed. He said, well, I, I prayed for strength. And I said, Lord, if you want me to have any of these delicious, delectable, and delightful donuts you're going to have to give me a parking spot right in front of the donut shop. And if you do this, I'll know that you want me to have some donuts. Then he said, and sure enough, after nine times around the block, there was a parking spot right in front of the donut shop. Uh, we need to avoid temptation. Someone once said, when you flee temptation, be sure you don't leave a forwarding address. That's good advice. So we need to avoid temptation. Number, uh, number four here, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to land the plane here. Uh, we're coming in for a landing. We're in the descending time. We're in our descent, I think is the, the right way to say that. But uh, I do want to finish this. Letter, letter D, or fourthly, become accountable. Become accountable. Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. One of the purposes of friendships is to help each other grow closer to God, not just to hang out and laugh and goof around. That, that's a wonderful part of friendships too. But ultimately, the godly purpose of friendship is to uh, help each other and sharpen each other uh, in our relationship with the Lord. And so if you want to become temperate in a certain area, it's wise to have a godly brother or a godly sister in Christ who will hold you accountable. And be careful though who you choose, or to choose your friends wisely on, on this. Become accountable. And then, uh, fifthly here, memorize the Word of God. When we were in Montana, I, uh, we didn't have a hunting rifle, and hunting's pretty big in Montana. And so a friend of ours gave us for Christmas a gift card for the purpose of purchasing a hunting rifle. So I went to Sportsman's Warehouse. Has anybody in, in here been to Sportsman's Warehouse? Okay, good. I, I wasn't sure how many Sportsman's Warehouses there are in the country. But uh, when I went there, I, I, I was like, I need a hunting rifle. Which one should I get? And, and we saw some ads, and, and uh, the guy talked me into getting a 7-millimeter Magnum hunting rifle. And so I, I get this rifle. Uh, I... I and it has a nice scope on it, 
And I think, I need to cite this in. Uh, that's what all my friends told me I needed to do anyway. I didn't actually think of it myself. But they said, you need to go cite that in. And so we had a friend who uh, went to the church there in Montana who had some property and said, hey, if you want to come over, you know, I can help you do that. And so we, uh, we decided to make a day of it. And we went and, and uh, went to go to his property to shoot, shoot the rifle and some other uh, things that I had as well. And uh, he said, he said, I actually have some of that ammo. So you don't need to bring any. I think I have enough for you, and uh, we'll, we'll get it side in with, with my ammo. And I'm like, well, that's good, but I, I think I should probably have my own ammo. Just, I mean, it's my gun. I should probably have some ammo for it. And so I went to uh, Walmart before and, and got some of that uh, that morning before. And uh, we went there, and I got all set up, and then he gets his ammo out, and we get my 7-millimeter Magnum rifle set up, and uh, he, start, he puts one of his... Uh, uh, bullets in there, and and uh, we chamber the we we chamber the the rifle, and and uh, I said, why don't you go ahead and shoot the first round, you know, uh, just to kind of give me an idea of how much kick this thing has, and uh, and so he gets all set up, and and uh, you know we're all kind of holding, we have our earmuffs on, you know, our ear protection on, and we're all kind of waiting for the blast, and and uh, he's there, and he pulls the trigger, and nothing happens, and we're all kind of looking at him, and kind of looks around, and he gets sighted back up again, and like maybe I didn't pull the trigger hard enough, and pulls it again. Nothing happens. We're like, what's going on? And so he, he it's a bold action, so he takes it out and looks at it. Like, it looks like a good round. It looks like it hit right where it was supposed to. I don't know what. Well, we I said, well, maybe try another one. And so he put another one of his ammo in there, and same thing. Nothing happened when he pulled the trigger. We're like, what's going on? And so I thought, let me try my ammo. And, and we looked at it, and it is completely different. I think he had just 7 millimeter, and I had the 7 millimeter Magnum. Big difference, evidently. And uh, so I put mine in there and sets up, and boom! <laughs> okay, that one works. <laughs> that one works really well. I, did I wake you all up? Good. That was kind of the purpose of putting this illustration right here. Uh, good wake-up call right there. Uh, what, what, what made the difference there? Using the right ammunition. Okay? When it comes to defeating addiction and temptations, we can't just use sheer willpower or mask our problems with busyness. See, that's the wrong ammunition. It's not going to work. We need to understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we're to take unto us the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. And as Paul goes through that armor and he lists them all, the only weapon he mentions, the only offensive weapon he uses or, or brings up is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So what's the best way to overcome temptation? Well, the answer is using the same ammunition, the same ammo that Jesus used to overcome temptation. And if, Jesus, if that ammo was good enough for the Lord Jesus, boy, why would we want to use anything else? Why would we try anything else? We need to use what Jesus used. You see, when Jesus was tempted three different times in that wilderness, he overcame that temptation each time the same way with Scripture. See, each time Satan presented a temptation, Jesus responded with the three words, it is written, and then proceeded to quote Scripture. 
since this is a spiritual battle, we better make sure we're using the right ammunition. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 11, the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. So, friend, I would encourage you to find scriptures that deal with your area of weakness, where you struggle being temperate in. Maybe it's an area I've mentioned. Maybe it's something I didn't even mention uh, this morning, this afternoon. Sorry. (laughs) We're into the afternoon. You're welcome. Uh, But find find scriptures that deal with those areas and then memorize them so when those temptations arise in your life, you'll be armed with the correct ammunition and you won't have a misfire. Too many times we misfire because we're using the wrong ammunition. Say, well, that sounds like work to do all that. Yeah, it does take effort, but it is work that is worthwhile. So as we come to the end of this message tonight, or tonight, yeah, now we're in the evening, That is how long this is going. (laughs) Let's remember the importance of being temperate. And we can't do this on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to produce this in our lives. This isn't just like work harder at being temperate. No, let's work harder at abiding in Christ and walking in the Spirit. And the Lord will produce this in our lives. And with that, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer uh, this morning. Lord, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for your word and what it says about this area of our life. Uh, Father, I pray that you would help us to uh, walk in the Spirit and to abide in Christ so that uh, we can indeed uh, have this fruit present in our lives, that we would be self-controlled, that we would be disciplined, that we would keep under our body, that we would uh, be tempered in all things so that we can earn this crown that is incorruptible, that will fade not away. Lord, I pray that you would help us with this. And uh, Lord, I am trusting you to kind of pinpoint in everybody's life how this applies to them. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you would help us to not soon forget this and to go our way and say, well, that was nice. Let's move on with life. But help us, Lord, to take heed to this and to work on this and to allow you to work on this in our lives. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask... uh, Miss Pat to play through this uh, this song, the first verse of this, and and as she does, I think it'd be a mistake if we just kind of tried to end the service super quick. Let's let's take a moment and and uh, talk to the Lord. As I, I imagine He's spoken to your heart, as He has in mine, and as I studied this, I'm pointing at you, but there's three fingers pointing back at me, and uh, I know that the Lord has been working in my life, and and so I want to give you an opportunity right now to to pray and do business with the Lord as she plays. Let's sing that uh, verse. We sang it earlier in the service. Let's sing it again. And really, this is the key to temperance, right? Letting the Lord be in control, letting him have his way in our lives. So we'll sing this uh, verse. And then uh, Brother Randy, it's good to have him back. And uh, we'll have him dismiss us in a word of prayer. 
after the song.